Well, welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We are so glad that you're back with us for episode three of the Millennial Com- Compass. Excuse me, I'm already uh, already choking up because I'm so excited about our topic today. <laughs> Anywho, uh, it's been a couple weeks since we have been on your phone and been in your ears, so we are going to reintroduce ourselves. My name is Kyle Rapone, uh, pub- youth public speaker and soon-to-be author, and this is my host, Randy Walensky. Hello. That's it, just Randy Walensky. No, uh, <laughs> I do uh, millennial speaking, training, uh, work in a variety of different businesses, I, entrepreneur. Those are my backgrounds. Yes, and he has a very, very detailed background. He is the sole culprit uh, for why we have not been dropping an episode in a few <gasps> weeks uh, because Randy's been out doing you know real work that actually pays him as opposed to just you know having fun on a microphone with me. Uh, but so Randy, uh, how was your Thanksgiving? So Thanksgiving just passed a few days ago. How was it for you? Oh man, you know, the best part about my Thanksgiving, I guess some people might say it's the worst for them. I don't know. But the best part is I have to go see so many people for Thanksgiving. I eat like three, four Thanksgiving dinners with a bunch of different people. I think that's awesome. Um, I at least had how many? Two? At least two, and I think I've got one more I have to attend uh, today, actually. So that'll be three Thanksgiving dinners for me. I'm, I'm pretty jacked about that, actually. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We, we, we start to live, you know, I feel like we live in a society where, like, it's cool to, like, dread, um, you know, seeing your family and, like, mm. be, being stuck in that, like, environment. But, you know, there's definitely two schools of thought. You either, you know, really dislike your family or you're really, like, super thankful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I always think it's funny that these people I follow on social media for 364 days out of the year complain about everything under the sun and everyone in their life and everything's terrible. But on one day, they're all they're so super thankful for everything. And sure. I'm like, you know, I'm like the mentality of being thankful. I was like, that's that's a daily habit. That's not just something that you you know post a few pictures of your husband or your dogs on Instagram and think that oh, I'm a really thankful person. Right. Um, you know, because I know next week they'll be back to complaining about how cold it is here in the Northeast or, you know, how much their job sucks or, or things of that nature. Um, but yeah, well, so we hope, you know, everybody out there, we hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Um, and we are going to be diving very quickly into our topic today, um, which is millennials and politics. And our current event that we're going to tackle was the midterms. Um, you know, first off, Randy, be honest, did you watch the midterm returns uh, like I did? Oh, I'm sure I didn't make it an event like you did, but because uh, I remember you said you would do that. So I did not do that, but I did follow it. Uh, I did vote. I actually early voted just to make it easy, which then allowed me to have my schedule free up, which was beautiful. And then I followed it just kind of the counters on Google. That was actually my main thing. I was looking at uh, who's who's running the house, uh, which areas won, which were the contentious areas that proved to be you know either upsets or just, just kind of whatever the interesting uh, things of the day were. Yeah, I mean, I I voted pretty early. Uh, I voted my my local voting place was an elementary school, and um, you know it's funny when you if you watch any of the uh, you know election coverage midday, which most people I don't think get to do simply because they're working. It just so happens that the last two big elections, I was you know able to be in front of a, a uh, in front of a television uh, for this 2016 election. I was in a conference in Boston, and the conference didn't start in the evening, so I had the the, the TV on the whole day, and then this time around I you know, was doing work intermittently in my office. So I was pretty tuned to that. You know, and on TV, you see a lot of people, you see, you know, these polling places with all these lines and stuff. 
But, you know, my polling place, it was literally like four people mm. um, in this little gym, and this one person was running it. And, uh, you know, it took a lot longer than it should have. But, you know, I did vote. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you know, I loved it. I started watching it at 5 o'clock. Um, you know, I had some food ordered in, and I uh, was enjoying a couple of <laughs> It was of, a, a grand event for you. It, it was a grand event. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, there's just so many numbers and stats and analytics and, and, and you know, races going on and just, you know, just so much going on that the political guy in me, the marketing in me, it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. Do, do um, you think that's normal, Kyle? Do you think that there's anyone else out there like you who just gets jacked for this, huh? Well, I mean, I think that there's probably, I would hope that there's other people who get jacked for, you know, some form of politics, considering the fact that there's people who get jacked for reality television shows. Fair and enough. This is, this is actual reality. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more like a reality TV show. It is becoming more and more like a reality TV show. So I think if people gave it a chance, they'd find it incredibly entertaining. I mean, I, for the one, I, for one, find President Trump to be incredibly entertaining. <laughs> I mean, policies aside, I mean, I think that we all sometimes need to just kind of appreciate what we're living through because a couple of years from now we're not going to have it anymore and we're going to go we're going to go back ratchet to- it up it'll be kanye versus oprah in in a smackdown battle royale see the, like that that to me is not as much fun because then i think i have to draw a line when they when they get involved um but yeah no i mean i watched the midterms and i mean i was pretty surprised i really thought again i don't want to go too much into you know picking sides or anything but i really thought that there was going to be a pretty um you know as they said a blue wave they, they predicted a lot of young people were going to come out. And as the numbers have come out, it does seem like a lot of young people came out, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they really thought that they were just going to, you know, vote against Donald Trump and vote for the Democrats. And there was going to be this massive kind of blue wave. And, I mean, the Democrats did pick up 35-plus uh, House seats. So mm-hmm. there clearly was some sort of a wave. But at the same time, you saw Republican gains in the Senate. You saw Republicans win uh, governorships. So I thought it was interesting that as – you know, these millennials start to vote more and more, um, you know, they they may not overall approve of President Trump, but I definitely think that they they're, really seem to be kind of taking to the issues and voting on a very individual basis. Mm. Because there's a number of Republicans that still won, still won, you know, hotly contested seats. Um, and I think it's because people realize that, you know what, I'm going to vote on this individual I'm not going to vote simply because they belong to the same party as the president. Oh, yeah. No, that's what you, that, yeah. Yeah, it's what you want, right? You want people to actually be thinking about it and not to be uh, – what, what, I'm going to coin it unless it's a phrase like hate voting or something. If you if you hate the president, that doesn't mean that, that you, you just – you don't even think about what you're doing. You should be informed. You know, I, I've, I've said this before. I know people, we can't even get like uh, ID registration. People are against that. But I've always thought maybe a test. Make sure you understand how government works before you vote. I'm sure I'm, sure I'm not in the minority and believing that that would be important for people to feel like they're well-educated and informed on an issue and you don't just get to vote no matter what. But I get that, you know, you do want every vote to count. I do want everybody to have a voice. It just seems sometimes that people are so ill-informed and you cringe when you hear that they're voting. Like, oh, really? You don't you don't even know what that's going to affect or you don't even care. You know, you're voting for things like, remember, uh, what was that guy? I guess it's a great example. There was like when... Uh, <laughs> the beginning of the election, the last presidential election, there was somebody who was leading the race out east called D's Nuts. If D's Nuts can get votes, we're in trouble. 
Well, that yeah, in 2016, there was like 11,000 votes for Harambe, the dead gorilla. <laughs> the dead gorilla. God. And it was like, imagine wake, you, you woke up in the morning, you got ready, you drove to your polling place, and you voted for a dead gorilla. <laughs> I mean, and I, I uh, there's, there's part of me, um, so I, I got in a really heated debate with someone when they were talking about voting for a third party, because I used the classic logic, I go, well... You know, I first just kind of off the cuff said, well, you you know, you are throwing your vote away. That person's not going to win. And they got so mad about it. And then they pointed out to me that actually, um, who was it? It was uh, Lincoln. The Lincoln was a third party vote, right? He was not the, the Republicans. They That was the first president. That was a Republican. That was the beginning of the party. Federalist f- faded away. And he pointed that out to me. I said, you know what? That's actually really important. I get that. So if you were voting for, say, a third party, and at least you were, maybe let's say you even thought like me, I'm like, if I vote for a third party, that's like a protest vote. I protest the candidates that you brought in front of me, and therefore I'm going to vote third party. Uh, I get that. I get that. But not Harambe. You can't vote for Harambe. We can mourn him. We cannot vote him into the presidency. He is not eligible. (laughs) And that's the problem. And that's why... You know, and then that's why, you know, the younger generations like us, we don't get taken seriously because we pull crap like that. I mean, we do stuff like that and then we don't get taken seriously. And, you know, uh, politicians don't necessarily take us into account when they're writing laws because they don't think we're going to come out. They don't take us seriously. You know, I mean, the, the youth vote for years and years and decades hasn't come out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it I mean, from what I was reading that, you know, there was a record setting voter turnout. Um, in this midterm, especially for a midterm, because yeah. midterms technically don't normally don't get as, as high of a turnout, but I think that's part of the problem. And I think, um, you know, millennials and, and younger generations, and even you know, slightly older than millennials, really kind of view politics these days as they've had enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't see enough results. They don't see enough value. So it's like, why am I going to get involved? Um, you know, and I think, but I think it's interesting because up until 2016, I think a lot of people felt that way. But now, all of a sudden, we have a president who is very clearly kind of challenging a lot of things that millennials believe in, and now they feel like they have to get involved. So, in a weird way, you know, having a president like this can be a benefit because if it gets people involved and people stay involved, and people moving forward every election feel like they have to vote because they have to make sure that their voice is heard because they see what happens when they don't vote. I mean, it, it is interesting that I think, you know, President Trump has in some ways awoken more of the youth vote than President Obama did. Mm. Because as exciting as he was, you didn't see these type of numbers because it's kind of like, oh, well, this guy agrees with us, so I'm not that angry. I'm not going to go vote. But now we have somebody in office that doesn't agree with you, somebody that's, you know, really going against a lot of things that's, you know, could be some people see him as bringing us backwards in a lot of ways. And now it's like, okay, well, I'm really upset. So now I'm going to go vote. So it is interesting. That it's almost like you have to be, you know, some people have to be angered kind of into voting and, and kind of into caring. Right. Well, I mean, the, if you think of just even from a social media standpoint, uh, Barack Obama was the first president to really leverage social media to, to get elected, which is just funny now why, um, People are talking all about social media and how it influences and how scared they are, I guess, in in their opinion, when it doesn't go their way. But obviously, uh, President Trump does use social media all the time. And so that's a huge trend and that's a huge change. And and you know, so back to the other thing, though, about the, the younger voters. 
I think that it's probably always been that way because when you're younger, you're just more carefree, right? This stuff doesn't impact you when you have a house and kids and you're getting taxed at a certain level and all these different things. That really starts impacting you well, when you hit a certain age. So you kind of understand it, right? Uh, if people are getting more involved and more educated, that's awesome, you know? And I think the biggest thing you can do, though, is, or the, maybe the biggest danger to think of between millennials, social media, and whatnot, is that you don't create an echo chamber for yourself. If you want to be an informed citizen and you want to vote, you really should look at a variety of, of opinions. You should watch the MSNBC. You should watch Fox. You should read, you know, whatever, all the different papers, and then find, uh, uh, you know, what if it would be uh, something on CNN, or whoever that is on there versus like a Breitbart cover a variety of things and actually figure out the issues don't just put yourself in an echo chamber like social media is built to do right it's built to make it so that it knows and learns what you like and feeds that to you and then you start getting the idea that oh everybody believes this way or everybody would you know oh this is the right answer you got to educate yourself and you have to understand how does Facebook work? How does how does Google even work? How does all these different things work to kind of give you information? So I think it's great, though. I think it's great that more younger people are voting as long as they care about it and they're getting for informed, right? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I'm really glad you brought up those social media algorithms because people don't understand. And, I mean, I don't expect them to to the level that I do because, again, I'm a marketing professional, so it's my job. But you know, Facebook especially is the biggest culprit because Facebook will only show you what you like. Mm -hmm. Facebook will only show you things. And you can fall down this rabbit hole of, um, you know, if you're – okay, like, let's take an example. Say you're somebody who's, you know, a Democrat and you're, you're against President Trump, right? So Facebook will pick up on that very quickly from your posts or what you like and will keep showing you news articles and will keep showing you news that says, oh, he did this or he said that or – you know, and then we have these sensationalized headlines of like, you won't believe what President oh, Trump yeah. did. <laughs> you know, and then you click on it, and it's like, oh, President Trump signed a bill. Well, that's that's what he does, but it doesn't matter because like you won't believe what he did, or you know, or He's at it again. <laughs> you know, sometimes I see things like somebody somebody on my timeline posted something about, you know, all the things that the Republican Party takes away from women. And it was like it wasn't from a news article, it wasn't cited, it wasn't anything. It was literally like somebody like wrote this down on like paint and then just like prettied it up. So it looked, it looked nice, but it was like, wait a minute. I was like, this isn't a news article. I was like, so there's no way to prove that the Republican party does all of these things. And right. I'm not just saying that this is, uh, it's the other way around too. Like I've seen, you know, I've seen people post memes, you know, and that gets treated as fact it was like, Oh, like they take a random picture of immigrants and they say, Oh, like, look at this. Like, all these people are trying to get into the country. Like, there's no way to know where that picture's from. There's no way to know what what's going on or where that's been cited. There's no information, but it's what gets shared as fact. And furthermore, right. on Facebook, you can be friends with somebody, but you can unfollow them. So you can click a button and still be their friend, but never see what they post. So if you're friends with a hundred people and fifty of them disagree with you, you could just unfollow them. And now your newsfeed is literally ads for things you you like articles for things that you're going to click on and friends that you're going to agree with mm -hmm. so you never get any kind of other opinion and if you think about it you can live in a bubble because in some ways i live in a bubble i tell my dad this he thinks this is hilarious i said dad sometimes i don't really know what's going on i said because i don't watch live television mm -hmm. i watch mostly netflix and the occasional dvr show shows i don't listen to any radio it's all spotify because i have to listen to my music because that's just 
how I am now. Mm. And I was like, you know, I was like, I don't really know a lot of what's going on. I was like, I try to keep informed. I go out of my way to make sure because I know that I'm not getting it from, you know, other news cycles or other, you know, sources. But you can really just kind of surround yourself with only people who agree with you. And then mm. you just kind of, you know, write off the people who disagree with you. You ignore the people who disagree with you. Like the day of the midterms, I texted my friend Dan and I said to Dan, I said, hey, I said, can I, because he's a big, big Trump supporter. I said, can we talk politics without it ruining our friendship? And he was like, oh, of course, of course. And like, you know, we had a good conversation and like it was, you know, educational, but it was also like we disagreed on some things. But it's exactly like you said, too many people are living and not just politics and a lot of topics live in an echo chamber where you only, you know, people nowadays, you know, there's another great topic I'd love to talk about is the news channels because there's no news channel that's right down the middle anymore. It's right. either mm -hmm. MSNBC, which is you know, so far to the left, um, Fox News, which is so far to the right, and CNN used to, you know, a few years ago used to really do a decent job of trying to stay in the middle, but, I mean, they got attacked by President Trump and they feel like they have to defend themselves. So really what happens is that you know what you like, you know what you think you know, and then if you're not on Facebook sharing the same types of sentiment or click or liking the same posts from the people who think about you, you go on and you get your quote-unquote news from from a, a, a channel that knows what you want to hear. Like Fox right. News knows that if it talks bad about President Trump, it's going to lose viewers. That's right. a fact. Mm -hmm. so it's never going to do that or it's going to try to do that as little as possible. Just right. like MSNBC knows that if it spoke bad about President Obama, it was going to lose viewers. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard, very hard to get any kind of, you know, any kind of, you know, middle of the road opinion. And like you said, I mean, most people live, you know, in this echo chamber where they're just only focused on, you know, they only want the news that agrees with them and they don't want to talk to anybody else. They don't want to open up to any new opinions. And if you dare challenge their opinion in any way, you know, like I've challenged, you know, Trump supporters and I've like, well, you know, listen, like, I, I don't think he's doing what you thought he was going to do. And they were like, well, it's better than Hillary. I'm like, why? And they can't answer that. And yeah. I'm not saying it's not true. Maybe this, maybe it would be worse if Hillary Clinton had won. I'm not saying that's true or that's false, but you have you cannot make those statements if you don't have some sort of an opinion. And I'm really hoping that the younger generations, starting with this election and this high voter turnout, are being motivated, even if it's through fear and hate. I, unfortunately, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that that's the motivation. But I think through 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 fear of Trump's policies and, and hate people that millennials care about. You know, I hope that they start to care and they start to get involved and, you know, we can keep, you know, this this momentum going. Well, yeah, and, I, and that'll be a bigger challenge as we go forward, I think, as well as for the exact reason you mentioned. It, we have this on-demand lifestyle where you can pay to get outside of ads. You only have to watch what you want. You can hide everybody who disagrees with you. Uh, you, you maybe we've become so polarized that we don't even talk anymore. I mean, that that's the biggest uh downfall right and that's especially you think about the holidays and thanksgiving and people are giving people tips on how to deal with their family hey i've got a crazy idea just hear them out and if they say something you disagree with let it keep moving like this is this is basic stuff people you don't have to fight your family if they disagree with you 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 can engage in conversation with people who want to have conversation like your buddy there i've got a same buddy he's on the opposite side as me and we talk sometimes i think he gets a little nuts about stuff and i'm just like i'm not even going to bring it up cuz I, I already know what the answer is but in general 
we can have a conversation uh, about uh, ideas and big policy type things. And I, I don't even, you know, I tell them too, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty weeds of remember when they did this policy that was totally against what they say they stand for. It's like, yeah, I feel like that's politics, right? Like they, and I'm not there. I don't know why they chose that particular policy or why they voted that way, right? But I want to talk about philosophy. I want to talk about direction. Where are we going? What are the major themes? Where do we have to go to change and, and go in a direction that's positive, right? So if we can talk about that and we can have a conversation, we're doing great. If you're a zealot towards your opinion, then of course you have to, I have to avoid you and or I don't have to hate you. I don't have to dislike you. We're just going to have to talk about other things things because you have you are not listening to reason but we should never especially with our family oh they disagree with me oh they're totally against it they're talking whatever the things that people think about their family it's like that's fine that's your family they're still your family those are still your friends you can let it roll people can have different there's this there's this idea that people cannot have a different opinion than you and like it's offensive and that that was the biggest thing that i think um people laughed and, and were shocked about and that sometimes even comes up in my talks is they'll they'll bring up, you know, they'll shout out something like, they're snowflakes and then, you know, I have to laugh about that and I'm sure other people would get offended. But I get why, because people are why they think the younger generation is so you know, maybe messed up towards politics and different things is that they, they can't handle that other people have different ideas and they aren't trying to hear them out. And so if if they get involved Try to understand, you know, we should be getting involved. We are the taking the torch. There's even been some millennials elected, right? So we are we are starting. And I told people this two years ago, you know, we're coming, right? You can't just be like, oh, they don't know what they're doing, all this and that. We're going to be taken over. So we should be informed and we need to start listening and talking to people. Those are the biggest things that we can learn from all of this. Absolutely. We need to listen to each other and we need to, you're right. And, you know, it's a matter of like, well, how do I, you're right. How do I deal with my family? You know, it's like, what do you do in the real world when somebody has a differing opinion than you? When somebody has a strong opinion that you don't necessarily agree with? Plus, not to mention, I've learned that when you're in a situation and somebody's speaking very loudly about something for a long period of time, if you say nothing, they basically burn themselves out. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, they don't know what to say because you stopped engaging with them. And I feel like I learned that in elementary school. <laughs> like if somebody's like, you just stop engaging with them. Like you just stop talking to them. But it's interesting that you're talking about, you know, saying things loudly and whatnot because I did a talk um, a couple days ago, last Monday, at a high school in the Bronx. And one of the things I talked about to these kids because I wanted to make sure they understood, you know, they came from a little bit of a a rougher area and I'm sure they have some negative influences in their life telling them that they won't achieve what they want. When somebody gives you advice or somebody tells you to do something, you have to ask yourself, who's saying it? Why are they saying it and why should I listen to them? Mm -hmm. I was like, because we're living in a society where if somebody says something long enough and loud enough, we take it as fact. Even if it's not true, it doesn't matter because if somebody says something enough times, we end up taking it as fact. And I think sometimes we see that with the news we choose Mm -hmm. to to follow, the people we follow tend to listen. Because if if you listen to something long enough and loud enough, you end up taking it as fact. I mean, you know, we, we saw that with, you know, years ago with the with the birther movement, when you know people were saying that President Obama wasn't born in this country, um, you know, I mean, there was not a lot of fact behind that, but all of a sudden, you know, it was it was it became fact because certain people were saying it over and over again, and you know, so I think you have to you have to be very careful about you know, like you said, who you listen to, and 
you know, making sure you listen to people, making sure you hear them out. And if you don't agree, don't agree. I mean, I, I have people that, you know, I disagree with. I mean, this past weekend, I hung out with people that, you know, I didn't agree with on a, on several sports issues, but I, neither of us were uncomfortable. We disagreed. We debated. I mean, that's, you know, a healthy debate is okay. We shouldn't just be running into a corner, running into a safe space filled with articles and people that only agree with us because <laughs> you're never going to learn that way. And I think that's what's happening. I think we're really starting to retreat into safe spaces that are just filled with the things that, that we like um, and we're never opened up to anything new. You're absolutely right. And I think that's the other reason that the, the safe space concept didn't really get talked about, in my opinion, until right around after Trump got elected and everybody had to retreat to it. That does not make us look good if we can't handle that someone, it, it didn't tear down democracy because President Trump didn't, the country and the way the laws are written and things is very resilient. You know, they, they, they made it seem like the world was going to end. Hey, if you don't like somebody and something happens, yeah, start showing up, start doing more, start, there's all kinds of things you can do, but running from the problem, hiding from it, crying about something that's not like, if you want to have a temper tantrum for five minutes, you get got it great great you can be upset about something like that and then move on do something different learn from it but but don't go hiding and, and cowering and we and then even that don't be bullying to people who have different opinions than you oh uh, that's why the other reason that people aren't as open or tell you uh, what their opinions are that's why that the 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 Trump uh, getting elected was such a shock to people because nobody wanted to say what what they were uh, thinking because they didn't didn't want to be called a name right they didn't want to get shouted down they didn't want to get treated like whatever or be told what they think, right? So it was kind of like an F you to the system, <laughs> right? But it's a bad thing in the sense that people should feel free to express themselves without getting a lot of hate. I mean, and you see that with the Twitter mobs for a variety of issues. You're almost, they're, they're like a marching mob ready to attack on anybody who disagrees with them, be it whatever, not even politics only. But you know, that's another thing we need to think about or could talk about is just the way people get harassed. And this happens on all sides of the, of the fence. This is not a, a one-sided thing, but just that it's the mob mentality, right? And, and social media has made it easier to form mobs, right? And, and silence people and shout them down and name call and ridicule just to the point that they can't take it anymore. So that's another big thing that from the political standpoint that we need to consider. I don't have a solution for that. I can say that right away. How do you, how do you get people not to all gang up on someone when they, the, the thing built like that? But I think maybe awareness. We talk about it and say, hey, Let's give people some time. You know, we don't all jump on. We don't know all the facts, right? We don't know what happened. Get informed before you start. Oh, yeah, I saw this meme. Exactly like what you said. I saw a meme and this is so stupid and here's my stupid opinion, right? Oh, okay. Let's, uh, let's be a little more tactful. Let's treat social media and life like if I was in front of someone talking to them about their politics. How about that? That would be a good idea. No, you're absolutely correct, as as you usually are. Yes, um, like, but I, yes, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's very easy to just you know jump on people that you don't agree with, and and Twitter makes that very easy. You send out a tweet, and then you know, there's just like you know, like sometimes I'll look at the comments, and I, I really don't know why I do this to myself, but like when President Trump tweets something, I'll look at the comments, and it's like nobody's commenting on what he tweeted. Like they're just all like, "You deserve to be impeached." I'm like, that's, you're not, you're not having an intelligent conversation here. You're just screaming things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, and here's a hot take. It's kind of like protesting. 
Mm. I mean, if there's one thing that I really and a hot take can't really stand is is this is is this era of protesting. <laughs> and I'm sorry because what what are we doing? Like, if you're angry about something, I get it, and you and I I'm I'm applaud you for putting some sort of effort into it because a lot of people who get angry and they stamp their feet and they don't do anything. But with that being said, you know what are you what are you accomplishing when you're marching through the street? You know, holding up a sign, if that's the only thing you're doing. Let me make this abundantly clear. If you're following that up with content, if you're following that up with, you know, blog posts or podcast episodes or social uh, educated intelligent social media posts or you're forming groups or you're donating to campaigns or you're canvassing for issues, then yeah, the protest is the tip of your iceberg. And I'm totally fine with that. So I'm not saying the protesting is a terrible thing that should go away, but what else are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, I know an individual, I won't call her out. No, I'm speaking positively of her, but I won't call her out because I didn't get her consent. But she protests a lot, but she does so many other things for women. I mean, she is like always out there doing really great work for women, really great work for a number of groups of people. Um, you know, once she hears this, she's going to be like, why didn't you say my name? So I didn't get the consent. Um, but, you know, but she, she protests, but she does other things. And my whole thing is that I hope that when I see people outside protesting, that this is the tip of your iceberg, that what are the other things that you're doing? Because if all you're doing is going out and marching, because when President Trump got elected and I saw millions of women marching in the street, I said, I said, I really, really hope that this group of smart, tough, intelligent women create an organization because there's so many of them. If they create some sort of an organization and their sole purpose is that they're going to seek out lawmakers. And if those lawmakers are creating laws and policies that are detrimental to women, we will raise money for your candidate opponent. We will raise money so people understand these issues and we will get you out of office. And I don't really think that happened. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, but that was one example. Where I was like, you know, you have all these really great women out there, these really smart, intelligent women. I was like, I really hope that they band together. And again, maybe they're doing it and I'm not, I'm not seeing it on that scale, but you know, and this goes for a lot of people who protest. You know, I see a lot of young people protesting. It's like, I really hope that, you know, I really hope your activism is more than just a sign and, you know, some Twitter posts. And, and there's a lot of people who do do a lot. I'm not saying that they don't, but sometimes I just see the protesting. I'm like, I hope you're doing more because if all you're doing is marching in the streets of Washington, D.C., I don't know how, how effective that is. Right. Well, I think part of that is, and I think protesting is a fundamental aspect of our culture that we we need to keep but on the same token if you're protesting everything all the time it eventually loses its meaning and i think maybe that's kind of what you mean by it. like protesting everything you can protest big issues you can protest people you can protest a lot of things but if it's like what's the protest today and we're almost getting numb to it because there's so many of them for so many different issues and some of them are probably really well-founded and then other of them are like uh, come on why are you protesting that and then they get lumped together right you get coverage probably equal or whatever oh here's the real big ones and then here's another one so you start thinking geez all these people do is protest and you're I, I, I think for myself like when would I have time to protest I, I don't I don't know when I would have time and it's not that I don't feel passionately about it um, and then how about this for another crazy aspect you see what happens at some of these protests where you get the counter protest that's it's like the other problem I, I don't I don't want to be around any of these crazy people yeah. like, I'm not, like I might agree with you but I need to find ways to support you from afar and, and in this way because you guys are nuts you're you're and and this isn't uh 
it's it, I think people tend to think that their side is the righteous and just side and that they know what's right and they're fighting the holy cause of this and usually they're acting they're all acting like uh, like jerks right or at least a majority you can find and they'll be like oh well you're only covering them doing something bad it's like you shouldn't be anybody of you doing bad things, right? I get that you got to fight back if people are actually physically assaulting you, but usually people are just out there being jerks to each other. Nobody's trying to listen. And then when you, every once in a while, you see somebody, they try to cross over and have a, a real conversation. That I think is cool. But again, too many protests really just numb you to the fact that, that I can't listen. And I don't, I in some ways don't want to be a part of them because both you never know what's going to happen nowadays like people are too too crazy in general it's that, too volatile yeah it's too it's volatile and too I, volatile. you don't want to get caught in the crossfire where you're trying to make a statement about something and nobody's got their big boy and big girl pants on and they freak out about it and do something rash i mean that that's the biggest thing too for me but i think exactly to your point there's just too many of them too many hollow and that we could go all the way right to Twitter, right? It was something you said earlier. I was thinking in my head it was that like the obligate. Oh yeah, the, the Thanksgiving, right? It's like the obligatory. I'm so grateful for life, but then I don't live that the rest of the way. Or oh, I go and protest. Look, I'm a good person. Look where I'm at. It's the uh, the they're trying to get social credit online, or they put the post of of whatever hashtag this, and it's like oh goodness, you know, give me a break, right? So you're, they're trying to get. Uh, there's a word for it that's escaping me but basically they're trying to get credit online for being such a great person and mm -hmm. it's sad it's sad because it, it, the rest of their things don't or it, it always comes at a certain time right like it, they're just trying to make people think they're a good person and i don't like that just be a good person be consistent with it you know don't be grateful one day a week don't protest and then go home and do nothing make it make it a part you know and don't do it for other people oh i was at the i was at the women's march look at me that's great if you're getting awareness and that's great if you're also involved and you're doing stuff. It's why are you doing it, right? So you don't just go there to, to show up and to get get uh, a hand claps and hand, hand uh, what's it called, back pats. You're so great. You're so great. Are you there because you're really passionate about it and, and you care and you're going to even be willing to do more? That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Protesting is fundamental. But in 2018, I think our protesting needs to evolve. <laughs> I do. I think our protesting needs to evolve. And like I said, if, if protesting in the streets is the tip of your iceberg, that's great. Like I said, this woman that I'm friends with, it's the tip of her, her, of her iceberg. And she does a lot of other things. But you're absolutely right. I, I totally hope that, um, you know, people are doing more. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I, it was an interesting point where you're talking about, you know, tweets and hashtags. Because I think... Part of the problem that maybe the reason millennials don't get taken too seriously, either in the workforce or, you know, in this case, in politics or their opinion, is because they're too quick to 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 do something very, um, you know, a quick hit, right? Mm. And and one of the things I'm trying to talk about here is that when President Trump was elected, there was a big movement. It wasn't just millennials, but it was it was in large part due to the younger generation started tweeting the hashtag "Not My President." Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I just kind of <laughs> facepalmed because, first of all, you're saying something that's igniting the other side. Sure. So immediately, when you when your opening salvo is not my president, they're immediately they're going to go on the defensive. So when you tweet that, it's like you're no, like you can't do that. Like that's not the way 
I'm sorry, that's not the way the world works. Like, I understand he was voted with, you know, he didn't get the popular vote. A lot of people were upset about that. Um, it was alarming how many people were surprised that we don't elect a president by the popular vote. Oh, that is, that is But I'm, I'm hoping that more people understand how we do things right or wrong. This is how we've done things for, you know, our entire existence. So you can't just, again, you can't just share a petition that somebody made on a free website and think you're going to change the nature of democracy. But I digress. You know, when you start to say things like, not my president, you're not being taken seriously. Because the issue is not, I'm, oh, he's not my president, so I'm not going to listen. It doesn't work like that. The issue has to be, okay, we have someone in office I don't agree with. I'm going to make sure that my voice is still heard. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that my people and the things that I care about, the people I care about, are still going to be protected. So if you want to have a conversation, let's have a conversation. He's everybody's president. Right, I mean, right. I, I, I didn't vote for him either, but he's still my president. He's everybody's president. And I think that's the problem. And also, it's funny, I just, when I was talking about, you know, you, you throw up a hashtag and immediately ignite something in the other side. You know, it's clear that we have two schools of thought, or roughly two schools of thought. We have the Democrats, we have the Republicans, we have liberal, conservative. And I think the problem that we can't, one of the reasons we can't get along is because we don't understand the fundamentals of communication. Mm. Because if you say something that ignites the other side, like when I hear a conservative call a liberal um, a snowflake, I said, there's no point in having a conversation. I said, because first of all, you're saying that to either be funny or be mean. And neither of those has place in a serious political conversation. So if that, you don't agree with me, you call me a snowflake, you're done. Because why are you calling me? What, what is a snowflake? Mm. Like why are we using that type of you know, adjective? Like because you think somebody's soft. Well, you think they're soft because they don't agree with you. And even if you do think somebody's soft, don't call them a snowflake because you're just being mean or you're trying to be funny. And neither one of those has its own place. Just like on the other side when we say, oh, you know, um, you know not my president. Well, he is your president. Mm -hmm. And now you're, you're, you're just showing me that, you know, you're either being educated or you're acting like a snowflake. And people don't know how to communicate with each other. I think that's part of the problem because if you say something offensive right off the bat, like if you say to a conservative, oh, Everything Fox News says is BS. Well, immediately, they're going to go on the defensive. Right. Because you just made a very radical statement. You just challenged something that they believed in. You kind of were, you were disrespectful. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Fox News. But at the same time, if that's your news source, that's fine. Like, my, my dad is a big CNN watcher. I'm not a big fan of CNN either. I'm really not a big fan of anybody, if you haven't picked up on that yet. <laughs> but, you know, but you can't just come in and be like, oh, I can't believe you watch that crap. Because as soon as you say something like that, your opinion is completely disqualified in the mind of the other person. And you can never have another intelligent conversation with them, at least anytime soon. Because immediately their, their defense goes up. Goes, oh, you're attacking my news? That means you're attacking me. Right. You know, instead, mm -hmm. you have to say, well, I'm not a big fan of Fox News because I feel like they kind of tilt conservative. Like, but if you, well, maybe you disagree with me because you watch it. And then you can have some sort of intelligent conversation. But we don't know how to communicate with each other. We don't understand that if you offend somebody right off the bat – you're never going to, they're not going to take your opinion seriously. Like there's a number of people who, you know, on Facebook who I don't take them seriously because, you know, they're like, they start, you know, yelling things like, oh, like, you know, a bunch of snowflakes or, you know, there's another um, term, which is uh, an unbelievably derogatory term that I see all the time. And it's called, and I don't, I don't even feel comfortable saying it, but I think we have to, because it's a part of the conversation. It's libtard. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen, heard this before. Yeah. Like, I'll see people on Twitter like, oh, the libtards. And I'm like, that is so disgusting. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure there's liberals who have nasty names for conservatives. This goes both ways. We're all losers in this conversation. Nobody's better than anybody else. Oh, yeah. But 
you know, it's like I hear like Snowflake and Libtard and all these other things, and I'm just like, ugh. Like as soon as you start using that word, I'm never gonna say. Even you, even if you're so intelligent on a conversation, even if you're 100% right, I'm never gonna listen to what you have to say because you're calling people snowflakes and libtards. Yeah. So it's like if you really want to get involved in the political debate in this country and you want to be taken seriously, you have to use big boy words. You have to understand not everybody's gonna agree with you, and you have to find some sort of middle ground. Right. And the last thing I'll say about that before we move on is the night of the election, when President Trump won, Van Jones, who I, I don't know if he's still a political commentator on CNN or not because I haven't seen him in a while. I think they dumped him. But he, you know, got on this soapbox about what am I going to do tomorrow morning? What am I going to tell my children? And I'm looking <laughs> at this clown and I'm like, tell your children that sometimes you have to talk. Sometimes you got to work with people you don't like and sometimes the, your opinion doesn't win. Yeah, but, sometimes but, and then drop the mic. <laughs> like that's what you have to do. Like First of all, like there's no Armageddon tomorrow morning. Like, you know, pre President Trump's been president for, you know, almost two years now, and the world is still spinning. It, so right. clearly there wasn't that Armageddon that people thought there was going to be. You know, there we have lived in a country where the, where the person whose opinion, we don't, we don't agree with their opinion. We've lived in a country, we lived in for four years when President Bush Jr. got elected the first time. He didn't win by the popular vote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we survived that too. But, you know, this idea. But then also, to be fair, the reason Van Jones went on that soapbox is, is that a couple of weeks later they announced he had a brand new show. So he was he was trying to court those viewers by saying, you know, you know, saying something sensational and saying something radical. I don't even know what he believes. I don't have no idea what Van Jones believes in except ratings. And that's why I think he said what he said. And that's part of the problem when we're listening to these people and trying to get our news from different news channels that are just saying things that are going to make us watch. They're almost they're almost newscasters on CNN and Fox News are almost playing kind of um, a character it, now. Yeah, Click, you know, clickbait we, media, basically. Exactly. And, you know, younger generations, we have to be very careful of that because otherwise we, we won't see into it and we'll start to be very one-sided and we won't be taken seriously. Well, one of my – not that we should learn from memes, but I can appreciate a good meme now and again. One of my favorite memes, uh, to your point, was, uh, you know, a little stick figure talking to another stick figure and he said – uh, he's not my president or something like that. And then the other stick figure replied, well, then you can't impeach him. And then they walked away. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. That's and then the person, you know, like the third picture is like their head exploding or shaking or something like that. Um, and that's so funny to have that conversation. I've had people get mad, like viscerally, like their their whole body changes posture when I'm, I was like, well, you know, the only president in our lifetime to get impeached was uh trump or, or not trump was um was clinton or something like that somehow it comes up that i'm like well clinton got impeached no he didn't yeah. i'm like well you don't understand what impeachment is and I, I can't imagine how many people i have to explain what impeachment there's been two presidents impeached neither of them got it voted out but they got impeached right um and i'm sure that that People don't follow it close enough, whatever the case is. Even the same thing with a, I don't understand why it isn't just, I was arguing with someone, again, who's very intelligent about why it's so ridiculous that uh, you shouldn't get on the popular vote and all this different stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying, but it's uh, supposed to represent the collective states. And in this case, in your argument, you would be saying everybody in the big cities 
um, and their value system is what wins in the country. And I go, that's not how we work. And I know it, when it doesn't turn out for you, you're mad about it. But the case is it's supposed to be the United States. And it was specifically put in there. You can disagree with it, but it was thought about and it was argued about and it was built into there, not just on a whim. And, oh, it's so stupid. People writing articles about how it's outdated and all these things. And I'm OK with you debating or thinking things. But if you're just doing it because it didn't turn out in your favor, come on. And it also has a purpose. If you if you look at it in a rational sense, there's a lot of dense population of people in, in areas and in cities, and they end up thinking a lot of the same way. But you want the whole country and everybody's values to be represented. So you have to count the states that, oh, those are these states or the flyover states or all these different ones. They have to have a voice too. So me just shaving, no, it's dumb. They shouldn't have to. It's like, well, if, if your opinion is you think it should change and you've got some good ideas, let's talk. If it's your whining because it didn't work out for you, then again, I'm not interested in having that conversation because I'm not going to convince you um, anyway, right? Uh, but at least we did have a conversation or we can have conversations, hopefully, uh, even if we disagree. You're absolutely right. And the idea of bringing a problem without a solution, just complaining about something, I think transcends politics, oh, yeah. especially with millennials and younger generations and younger students. You know, I talk a lot when I talk to students about, you know, if you think you, you know, if you're in high school and you think there's something, there's some sort of a problem, you know, whether or not you think you have, you know, the resources to go to college or the, the opportunities aren't open to you. I was like, it's up to you to take it, to take control of that. It's up to you to say, okay, here's the problem. But then also here's, um, you know, what is the solution going to be? Mm -hmm. You know, how are you going to fix the problem? What are your ideas? So don't just come to me, um, you know, or don't just say to yourself, like, oh, I have a problem. Like, oh, there's an issue. Like, I'm just going to leave. I think, I think sometimes that's why millennials leave so quickly because they run into a singular problem at work and maybe they don't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And they just say, um, oh, I have this problem. Well, how would you fix it? Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of people have all these problems in politics, you know, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, politics, like one of the biggest things I hear from a lot of people, not just younger generations is, you know, oh, it's all about money. Mm. Like politics is all about money. And I always say to these people, I used to, I gave up now. I don't talk, <laughs> I try not to talk to people anymore because they just, dis <laughs> they just disappoint me on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> But back when I had faith in humanity, oh, I used to talk to people. Sounds so bad. I'm just being truthful. <laughs> um, but don't worry. You know what? It's the end of the year. 2019 is going to be a new year. There you go. Um, but you know, I talk. I used to talk to people, and they I, they used to say, "Oh, well, it's all about money." I said, "Okay, well, let's break that down. Why do you think it's all about money?" And they're like, "Well, you know, the richest people get to run for office, or it's all about who donates the most money." I said, "Okay, well, what do they use that money for?" And they're usually like, "Well, like." commercials and like campaign ads, campaign events. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, why do they do that? Well, to get our vote. I was like, okay. I was like, so they need all that money to get our vote, but really they need all that money to do what? Get our attention because we're not paying attention because we are a society that doesn't care. So we need to blast you where you're watching TV, blast you on the internet, you know, hit you with road signs because you're not going to care otherwise. Because if we didn't, if a politician doesn't do any of that, you're never going to hear about them because you're never, most likely not going to proactively look up who's running in your state. Some people might, but most people don't. Mm -hmm. So if we as a society decided that every time an election is coming up, we're going to go to each candidate's website, we're going to look at their, what they stand for, what they're for, what they're against, and we all as a country are going to watch all of the debates and make an informed decision, well, then it won't matter how much money they have. 
because we all took advantage of that free, free media. So all you'll need as a candidate is if you have enough money to get on the ballot, which is not that expensive, and to run a basic website, which is not that expensive, then that's all you'll need. Mm. And we won't have to worry about money anymore. Mm -hmm. But because we need to be told what to think, we need, you know, we can't, you know, take an hour out of our day and look up the issues in the upcoming election on the internet, on the websites. We can't watch the debates in full. Or if we do watch the debates, we're doing it because we want the aha moment or the gotcha moment. We're not actually listening to what's going on. You know, if we did all that, then we wouldn't have to worry about money in politics because they wouldn't have to spend millions of dollars on commercials. They wouldn't have to spend millions of dollars on ads. So if you want the money out of politics, you have to start to care. And I think that that's something that I'm hoping, you know, younger generations can start to understand. And if they start to care more and they start to vote for those candidates that might not be well-funded, but they're articulate and they're taking time out of their day to look up what they're doing and actually get involved, then... You won't have to worry about my money as much. So oh, it'll yeah. be very interesting to see, you know, if we can start to elect candidates that aren't as financially backed. Well, you know, what's kind of interesting about that whole subject is that it's it's the psychology behind humans, right? We 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 almost get marketed to just like it's a brand. You know, the presidency is like a Nike commercial. It's mm -hmm. like who's got the best ad, who's got the best slogan, who's out in enough areas to convince enough people. And then once you get enough people all to believe that one person is the right person, people kind of fall in line. And that, that's, that's a human thing, right? It's the bandwagoning, right? Everybody goes and buys a, uh, you know, think about even in uh, here in Milwaukee, uh, everybody jumps on the bandwagon of the brewers, you know, when they're doing well. And nobody's buying merch or any of that stuff when they're not. So it's like whoever you think is the winner, you start glomming onto, you want to be a part of, you want to say their slogans and this and that. So it, I think part of it is that they just understand the psychology of humans and they know how to tap into it. And it's just like a brand. It's just like a getting awareness out there and, and getting so many people on your side that they think you're a winner. Therefore, you become a winner. So it's, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to think that we could get some intelligent conversational people but then we're also fighting some of the human nature things which is a tough a tough battle right because they know they know what gets us <laughs> they know they know it's uh it's fear or it's uh it's what we're going to get out of it or whatever they know how to speak to the the base level human condition and that gets a lot of people moving and not really thinking or investigating and you're right i think it would be awesome if we took our the, the lip, we, we undervalue the freedom and ability. If we were in countries where they never got to vote before and then you see just all these people turn out because they finally get to vote, like they appreciate because they never had it. We have it so good. It's so easy to be like, ah, it doesn't matter anyway. That's just an easy way to, for you to say, I don't feel like getting involved, right? Because it does matter. No matter what, it does matter. You can say that, oh, my vote doesn't count or it's no big deal. It, it matters. It matters even if it's... It's a little symbol of the whole process. It's it's the effect you have on other people. If you say, ah, it doesn't matter anyway. It's just all the big corporations that control them. That's usually just a cop-out for I'm too lazy to investigate and really see what these people have to say. And so it's easier to just say it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. It's totally a cop-out. I, I remember talking to somebody once and we were – there was a TV on and they were talking about the Russia investigation. And she was just like, oh, I don't believe any of that stuff anyway. I'm like, why? She goes, I just don't believe it. What? Why? Well, I just don't. Okay. I said, I said, okay. And I just walked away from this person because I was like, you just don't want to care. I was like, you, you just want to live in a bubble where you don't care about that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you just say, I'm not, I'm not interested. Uh, it doesn't, my vote doesn't matter. Um, 
you know. And the, I tell people, I said, listen, I said, you should vote regardless. I said, even if you're voting in an election that's a foregone conclusion, I was like, you should still vote because let me tell you something. If, you, if people stop voting and they and the voter turnout keeps plummeting year after year, politicians are just going to say, you know what, nobody votes, so we're going we're gonna to stop putting things to a vote. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's the point? We're going to stop putting things to a vote because nobody's voting anyway. So there's one last topic I want to talk about, Randy, um, and that is the individual who was elected to the 14th district to the state of New York House of Representatives, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, and I could say that name all day. That is a fun name to say. Um, but she was elected. She ran against an incumbent in the Democratic primary, Joe Crowley, uh, beat him and then won the general election a couple months ago. And she's getting a lot of, um, I don't want to say hate, but that might be the ter- term because it's so volatile and visceral out there. She's getting a lot of hate because she's done a number of interviews where she didn't, she really wasn't prepared. I don't even want to say that she didn't sound intelligent because I don't think that's fair. Because, um, I mean, I have listened to her. She does sound like an intelligent person. But she did say a few things. You know, she got a lot of some facts wrong. You know, she talked about unemployment. She talked about the number of people in this country. Um, she really, really wasn't challenged on that, which I think people got upset about. And I think that, you know, that's a very interesting because she's 28 years old. That's why I'm bringing her out. She's a millennial. And I think she needs to understand that, unfortunately, this isn't really fair, but you know, she is one of the first millennials you know, really kind of getting into the spotlight, getting into the political spotlight in a sense. So she's kind of the standard bearer. And she's going into a world that looks down on young people and looks down on, you know, uh, we're in a world that kind of looks down on millennials. And now she's, you know, kind of, you know, playing from behind because she said some things on, you know, some news articles or some, some interviews that really weren't that, you know, like I said, I don't want to say the word intelligent because I think she got tripped up on TV. A lot of people get tripped up on TV. But, you know, she's playing from behind now. And I think if you're going to get into this game and you're going to be a millennial, and this transcends politics, if you're going to be a millennial in a manager role or director role or in a CEO role, you need to be extra prepared because people are waiting for you to fail. People are waiting for you to show those true colors. Um, and it's a shame because she's really trying to fight for the people in her district. She's really trying to fight for, um, you know, the middle class and the lower class. And a lot of that's kind of getting washed away because she didn't have, you know, the right facts to present. Well, uh, yeah, you're, you're right about that. And specifically what, as you were saying it and you, you mentioned it was you got to do that in business. I mean, how does this apply to you? Hey, if you're not getting into politics, maybe it doesn't matter if you're going to wait till you're 50, maybe it doesn't matter. But when you show up to work, people have, beliefs about you already before you come in. I mean, they think it's a certain way and that you can use that to your advantage. If they think you're lazy, you can work harder. You know, if they think that you don't know how to dress, you dress up. I mean, I've done that before because I do, I personally like challenging what people believe. Uh, the, the gentleman that I speak with, he's 62 years old. He'll, he'll be like, yeah, I'm not wearing a suit coat. I'm like, I, I'm going to wear a tie and a suit coat. I, I, I don't have to do it. I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll step it down and go, well, I don't want to make us look weird if we look totally different. But I like to take it up a notch because I, I know that they think I'm coming in there with my pants hanging off my butt, a backwards flat brim cap and uh, a T-shirt and being like, what's up, people? Because they just assume that's what the younger people are like. Um, but absolutely. I mean, hey, maybe it's sad, but it's a great opportunity. If you can be a younger people that, pe- that someone discounts and you go out and kill it and she does a great job, she's going to have so much more. It's going to be so much more impressive to people. But if she, quote, fails or doesn't get her stuff together or, or misspeaks or keeps continuing to do little blunders, then they're going to just discount her, right? Now, what's uh, the, on that same note, I, I, 
I was shocked by this. Maybe I'm a I'm a Gen Z uh, I'm a Gen Z hater. But when I see an 18 year old, did you, you see this? 18 year old elected mayor out in Oregon. I was like, come on, come on. I saw something about it, but again, there's just been so much you know going on, you know, that I've been trying to keep up with. Um, so I'm, I'm glad somebody's kind of, uh, you know, catching the rest hey, of it. That, that's Gen um, Z. But, he bet he has the opportunity to go out there and kill it. But I have to admit, and I think a lot of people, when I was like, what do you know at 18? And I was reading a little about a bit about him. Maybe he's a great, a great, can I say kid? These darn kids these days. But an 18 year old mayor, I know it's probably like a little, a little town out there in, uh, south of Eugene, it says. So it's, it's not a big, it's not like, you know, of Portland or something. Yeah, but there's still got to be thousands of people who voted for he, for him. He got 41 percent of the vote, beat two other candidates. It says. Oh, there it is. <laughs> so that's huge. I mean, he maybe they just had such slouches. Maybe the people I've talked to other people in government. So he's he, so he was a third party candidate. Uh it must be. It must be. Yeah, I didn't. I, I okay. So don't tell me that we shouldn't be voting for third party or that your vote doesn't matter because this third party guy just got forty one percent of the vote. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's no. a Ben Simon. Is his name Ben Simon? City's youngest mayor. Graduated from high school as valedictorian. How about that? See, so that's important. Hey, grades are important, kids. Uh, Simon received forty one percent of the vote, beating two other candidates. How about that? They must have been some slouches. I guess so. I guess <laughs> but, so. But you know what? Those, to be fair, those other people probably had jobs to go to, and uh, he was able to do this on recess. He only had to. He yeah. had to stop playing Fortnite for a little bit, right? See, this is yeah. this is what the old people mention, do to us, right? <laughs> and not to mention, you know, he, um, you know, his mom was driving around the minivan That's as he was canvassing the neighborhood, <laughs> and he didn't have to pay for gas. Could be an illegal contribution. That's right. That he needs to be that. investigated. Hey, let's yeah. end it on that note. You know. It's been fun. It's it, you know politics are contentious. Hopefully we can laugh. We can learn a little bit of something. It's really about what we do next. Yes, absolutely. Um, and speaking of next, we haven't, Randy. You and I haven't talked about this off air. What are we going to do for our next episode? Dun, dun, um, dun. I mean, uh, what do you? Let's what, a what do you think topic. we should You know how do. politics are. We got to pick something fluffy and light. Well, I mean, I still want to do our What Millennials Are Killing episode, but I feel like that we should really maybe, you know, do that in January. Where Ooh, kick a the new way off. to start off. What are we killing in 2019? That would be fun. Exactly. There might be some new stuff we haven't even killed yet. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's 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 really put our thinking caps on. Keep it. Keep an eye on my social media accounts at Kyle G Speaks, and in a week or two, we'll announce our our last topic of the year because i have a couple but i want to make sure that we can actually put a show around this and it's not just me yelling for 20 minutes <laughs> so it'll diverge totally from our current show but hey <laughs> hey i was i was decent today i was decent today i wasn't you wasn't yelling about pretty people or anything like yeah that. darn them darn them all right let's call it it's at randy walensky hey hit me up appreciate you guys have a great one all right have a great one everybody